It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Good morning. It's Wednesday, July 7th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, joined right now by Chris Hummer, National College Football Reporter and Writer, Podcaster for 24-7 Sports. So, Chris, it's been exactly one week now, you know, 7 to 1, you know, July 1 to July 7th, of name, image, likeness being a, an actual thing in college football. So I wanted to have you on to, to talk about what we've learned and what we think and, and what we've seen. I was going to ask you what stood out to you the most from the last week, and then right before we went on, we saw this whole Miami booster deal where one Miami booster is going to offer a 500 a month contract to every player on the football team to endorse his MMA gym facilities across South Florida. So I would guess that's number one for you because that would eventually cost that booster 500,000 a year. I really thought the first week was kind of tame. You always heard about these stories about like how NIL is going to ruin college athletics. These players are going to make all this money and it's going to ruin the sport. And I think generally we saw exactly what we expected. Some of the bigger players in the sport, like a Spencer Rattler, got a deal with Raising Canes. But mostly it was just kind of grassroots things for these players across the country. They were signing with hat companies. They were doing autograph dealings at firework stands. They were advertising for random kind of shopping brands online. They probably get paid $20 a pop to do that. They were on Cameo. Nothing huge. But I think this Miami uh, situation in which, as you said, a booster is going to shell out over $500,000 a year to have these athletes market his gyms is a huge deal. It is the first one where I think competitive balance might be swung based on kind of a deal a person can uh, put forth for its athletes. And I think that's the biggest thing to monitor moving forward, how involved and how active these boosters are going to be kind of above board with all this because once boosters get involved we see this all the time in coaching searches checks and checks can get put on the table and those numbers can get huge so i'm very curious to see how this will go over the coming months how does it impact miami how does it impact their recruiting and then of course you're going to see their recruiting rivals will step up and do this so if this five hundred thousand dollar thing all right I, i should really call it 500 a month for the player thing is legit if this is true and and legal then you're going to see Florida State try to do it. You're going to see Florida try to do it. Well, what's really interesting about that is like Florida right now, as I understand it, actually has an individual school policy that does not allow boosters to procure deals for its student athletes. So if you're a recruit, and Miami, a Miami booster is offering you 500 bucks a month, and it's a close decision between Florida and Miami. Like you would think, a player would be inclined to go with the U in that situation. So I'd be 100%. interested to see if the Gators uh, shift their policy as well, because nothing in the Florida law uh, disallows a booster from paying an athlete. I-, I looked that up before we got on this podcast. Schools can't arrange deals for athletes, and schools can't tell a booster to pay an athlete. But if a booster decides to pay $500 a month, it's totally legal. And I think Florida is going to have to change its rules. I was reading, you did a Q&A with one of the chief compliance officers across college football. I forgot his name. He's at Tennessee. You can tell us. Andrew Donovan. Andrew Donovan. Andrew He's Donovan. the president of the uh, National Compliance Association. He had a weird week. He was telling you that someone, a player reached out to him and was like, hey, this restaurant wants me to come do some radio hits. How much should I tell them to, to charge? And he's like, I don't know. 
I mean, I, I definitely want to talk about our takeaways on, you know, Bo Nix's sweet tea and Bijan on cameo for 125 a pop. But I think these compliance directors probably had a really crummy week. They're in an extremely difficult position. So NCAA rules and a lot of state rules, like in Tennessee's particularly, don't allow compliance officials or really even school officials to give advice. They can tell players what questions to ask. They could kind of help them generally talk about things. But those are what agents are supposed to do. So compliance officials are kind of stuck in the middle between everybody. They've got athletic directors asking them questions. They've got coaches asking them questions. And they've got players asking them questions. They've got boosters in some case asking them questions and they're expected to respond immediately to all these things and on top of all that the rules are just extremely murky across the board i think a great quote from the story that andrew gave me he said it's very difficult being on campus enforcing and educating on rules when you don't have a good understanding of the repercussions for not following those rules so compliance officials across the country aren't really sure what the framework of enforcement is going to be from the ncaa and they're having to advise players on what they think might happen to try to keep the school out of trouble as much as possible which is what a compliance officials for they're trying to keep players and keep the school eligible to play in competitions so it's a it's a very difficult place and i think andrew shared the sentiment of a lot of people saying that he doesn't feel like the ncaa is going to be able to enforce much right now because their hands are kind of tied behind their back following the austin ruling so it it really could be the wild wild west for a while in terms of enforcement and the compliance officials are as much in the dark as everybody else I don't want to get too inside baseball as well because most people listening to this aren't with aren't in the college football media industry. But I do think there's going to be something interesting to watch with the compliance staff and the sports information director staff. Those people, Donovan's paid pretty well. I was just looking Tennessee's public, but those people aren't usually paid the best. And in an era, and I was reading today, like more people, you know, like more people walked away from jobs across, you know, the economy in April than like ever before. Those people's jobs just got totally different in the last week. And in some cases, sports information directors, their job is to to funnel, you know, requests in and, and say yes and say no. I'm embarking like and, and that's and they, you know, one or two per per football and, and then like one for golf, Chris, one for tennis. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with them. Usually you can't get Matt Corral on the phone unless you ask Ole Miss's football sports information director for that. But in this name image likeness era in which players are taking control of everything and, and, and marketing themselves, like I, I wonder if that's going to change as part of a social experiment. I just emailed Matt Corral's business email, his marketing at mattcorral.shop to see if he'd be down to come on the podcast. And, and if that, if he says yes, does Ole Miss's SID like how, anyway, I, you work with the SIDs because you, you know, you intimately cover these teams. I'm just, you know, kind of removed from that in the podcast world. And so I, I the repercussions aren't quite the same, but like to that end, Chris, <laughs> could you, if I said, Hey, Chris, take your company card and request $50 from Texas quarterback, Casey Thompson on cameo to ask him to break down the quarterback battle. Yeah, I guess we could. I think journalistically, it's a whole different kind of question with that type of thing. But conceivably, yeah, I think yeah. if you're on a podcast and you wanted 15 seconds of soundbite from Casey Thompson on Texas quarterback battle, you could absolutely do it. I, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. I can't imagine Casey will shock the world with his answer for 50 bucks on Cameo. He's probably going to give you the standard answer he'd give me at a press conference. But I, I think it is an avenue for 
people to interact with these athletes they didn't have before. And I, I really, this is definitely getting a little inside baseball. I do think the chance there's a chance over the long term it completely changes the way we cover college athletics and kind of the people we go through, the people we talk to, the access we get in the long term because. I think it's a healthy thing that players are getting more agency with this. And I think college athletic departments are going to have a little less control over athletes. That could be great for access for us media people in the long run. It could be terrible for access in the long run. I don't, I don't really know how it's going to go, but that is that is certainly one avenue of this. I think you're seeing Bar- Barstool partner mm-hmm. with a lot of college wrestlers right now. And I think we're going to see that from a lot of kind of fringe media organizations over the next couple of months as college football season gets going. There are going to be college football players promoting podcasts. There are going to be college football players on podcasts. There are going to be some college athletes with their own podcasts. It's just going to be a very interesting time with all of that. And there's so much new right now. It's hard to kind of envision how everything will shake out, but it's certainly going to be different. So you said, going back to the beginning, you said it was, it was sort of a tame week. I remember July 1st was crazy though. I think it was more jarring than anything. The Derek King $20,000 deal, the Bo Nix, you know, a photo of him just promoting Milo's sweet tea, <laughs> a, a Graham Mertz logo, a Spencer Rattler snake logo. I thought those were eye openers. But then you, by the time it was announced that Bryce Young had signed, has signed with CAA Sports and, See. and DJ, DJ Uyangale was with Vayner Media, like future agencies that are, they're going to obviously be inking with in a few years. I was kind of numb to all of that. I saw, I saw a rumor that DJ Uyangalele was going to have an NIL deal with Delta Airlines. Like I thought that would have been a big deal. Um, it hasn't happened yet, but that would that would make me say, wow. I actually thought, I think the agency thing is pretty jarring. For a long time, at least for me personally, for a long time, the NCAA has kind of put the stiff arm up of amateurism. And to see college athletes inking with agents as part of their kind of college experience is pretty eye-opening. And I think... Like behind the scenes and below the table, like a lot of the times in the past, these agencies had been handing pretty large chunks of change to families and to athletes for their services kind of in the future. I would almost bet that a lot of these players are getting advances in some form and college for them to sign now, as opposed to that happening ahead of the draft where it would have previously been a violation. I mean, I guess it would still be a violation, but I think that's a, I think that's a really compelling part of this because I know the fear is always that athletes that are kind of the highest profile. They're going to make more money and kind of isolate the locker room. But there are going to be some millionaires on college campuses this year with agents. And there are also just going to be their offensive linemen that are just like hoping to get 25 bucks from Chipotle for a tweet. Like it's just a very different situation. I did enjoy the offensive line NIL world last week. It was the Grubhub type stuff. And the (laughs) quarterbacks are out here, you know, being Mr. California logos. You can only imagine the money. You got the O-lineman. I saw a Clemson O-lineman. Matt Bockhorst was like a smoothie smoke shake delivery for something like <laughs> similar to Uber Eats. I know. And those guys, knowing most, knowing offensive linemen and how most of them are, they're, they're just, you know, happy to be there, right? They're going to be well, teary absolutely. about it. They and love I, the food. They'll, 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 they'll be good sports. Absolutely. I'm not saying, I really don't think this is going to be a thing that splits the locker room, at least a good locker room. I don't think any locker room is going to have a problem with that, but it is a, it is a compelling dynamic. And I I'm with you. I'm all for linemen getting endorsements. I I want them to have as many food based endorsements as possible. Like I want them promoting IHOP, all you can eat pancakes in the fall, whenever that happens, like stuff like that would be awesome. But 
Yeah, it, it was cool to see even kind of those microtransactions, which is going to make up the majority of NIL deals. Like, I, I really like the idea that an offensive lineman can charge a company $10 for a tweet. And that's still a valuable thing for a company because they're reaching, in a lot of cases, a small, a very small, but a dedicated group of followers on social media for them. And it, it really works out well for both parties. And I, I'm sure you have a lot of offensive linemen happy just to get a free meal voucher in the future for their advertisements. So it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of see that happen. I think a disparity on I was I've been digging on Cameo all all of Tuesday and like Brock Purdy is charging forty, Brees Hall is charging fifty. So those are two teammates. You know, do they set market value? Is Brock Purdy gonna you know lift his up? Um, Hudson Cards charging ten less than Casey Thompson. Does, does that tell us how the QB battle is shaking out? <laughs> You've got Ohio State seven banks. No offense to like his star power is charging seventy dollars on Cameo. Yeah, and we've we've already seen players jump up their price. I believe Bijan Robinson at Texas debuted at a hundred, and now he's at one hundred and twenty-five. Right, so we're gonna see like we're gonna see who the market wants because they're gonna end up raising their prices because of the volume of requests. Bijan charges more than Colt McCoy and Ricky Williams. I think that that speaks to the name, image, likeness stuff. Um, also, when these college just- stars are popular. They are so freaking popular. Yeah, I saw I saw Sean Clifford. I think he got on Cameo yesterday. He already had like 20 things done. And I always think Cameo is a little corny, but I think in the right situation, it could be really cool. And the one I watched with Sean Clifford was him wishing his 69th birthday to a fan that had been to every... Penn State game for like 25 years, couldn't go last year because of COVID restrictions. And he was saying like, maybe we can get a drink at a bar afterward on whatever street they drink on at a, in Happy Valley. Not too sure of that campus, but I just think that's a really neat thing. And it's, it's stuff we didn't have before. And it seems kind of silly a player couldn't do that up until July 1st. I don't really have anything else NIL related. I'm going to circle back to it one more time, but this, this SID, not even the SID though, but just how the game is covered. These players are really going to start to be more invested in that. We mentioned the well, offensive linemen. Well, they'd love to cover, you know, they'd love to endorse something, but they have to have a little bit of notoriety to do that. And to have a little bit of notoriety, you've got to be not only on the field and playing, but you've got to be written about and talked about. Would they be happy to know how many times over the years someone's requested to talk to them and that answer was shot, that request was shot down? Trey, I'm actually, I'm very curious, and this this might be too much of a media question, but do you think the co- way we cover athletes and the college athletics landscape is going to shift now that these players can yeah. make money on our professionals? Like, do you, do you think mean more critical of them? Yeah, I think for a long time, like, I think we see this all the time in recruiting. Like, I, I always see don't ruin a kid's moment by um, not putting their uh, decision out on Twitter if you find out ahead of time or not reporting on their decision. I see that with transfers sometimes. I see like, don't ruin the transfer's moment or like spoiling it. And I think when these kids start to make money and they start to become more professionals, I, I do think the way we cover them has to shift a little bit towards maybe a more critical view of it. Absolutely. A year ago, if Spencer Rattler has a bad game, you would say Spencer Rattler struggled, didn't have his best game. You know, I wasn't there for him. The next day on a Sunday... An NFL quarterback struggles. He was horrible. He was you know, not worth the money. All that stuff. If Spencer Rattler struggles this fall in a game and they lose, and Spencer Rattler is concurrently pulling in five hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars off his likeness, like I'm not going to feel too bad for him if someone says Spencer Rattler was absolute garbage yesterday. The same way they would say about Sam Darnold. Not only that, like so Spencer Rattler got benched against Texas last year, and 
in past years, like if a player got benched or a player had a bad game, they don't have to likely talk to the media for a couple of weeks so SIDs can protect them or they're just going to stay off social media. But like if Spencer Rattler has a contract with whatever, I guess, Raisin Canes that says he has to tweet after every game or before every game, like it'll be really interesting to see like the interaction with that tweet on social media. How's a fan going to feel and how's a fan going to interact with the player if the quarterback just has a terrible game, you lose an important one, and then they're tweeting about raising canes right after. Like, I th- I can certainly have a disconnect between the two of them, but I'm going to be fascinated to see what the conversations are like between fans and the players when they're advertising things after a bad game. It's it's easy to kind of sponsor something when your things are going well, which they always are in the offseason. It's a completely different story to be doing those things as your team is losing or something like that. I agree. I think any fan out there has listened in on a sponsored coaches call-in radio show <laughs> 11 of a horrible season it's brutal for everybody but the coach still shows up and does it because he's it's in his contract to do that he's getting compensated for doing that so. yeah i think i think ed orgeron like a couple of years ago when he was getting called about like why are you still the coach here after they lost to troy like that's exactly what i think of and uh you're right like there are going to be players this year in that situation with their marketing opportunities after a few days of thinking about it who is the most marketable player in college football oh man I think it's Spencer Rattler. I think he's got the following. He's got the hype. He's got the platform. Does he's he got the personality. personality. I, I, I do. I, I think, I don't know if we've seen as much of Spencer's personality um, on the college level yet, but he is, he is cocky in a really fun way. Like I remember talking to him quite a bit kind of at the All-American Bowl a couple years ago. Like he has got a flair for the dramatic. And I think if OU is rolling the right way, like Spencer could very much be kind of a Baker Mayfield type mm-hmm. presence in college athletics this year. I, I do think he's got the best opportunity for sure. I'm going about you? with, yeah, I actually saw someone tweet about this. So I'm going to say it, DJU. Oh, that's a great uh, answer. That's a yeah, great answer. he's. I mean, he's at a quarterback factory. He's got a sick personality. He's got a fun family. He's going to throw the ball 80 yards in the air. Either him, my dark horse would be Bijan because of the Texas brand power. The fact that he's already making several cameos for $125. I just, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And I think whoever emerges as Ohio State's quarterback. Yeah, so. CJ, CJ Stroud could be a very, it, with that fan base and everything. And I, I would say, like, I would always watch out for the dark horse of the programs that have been down for a little while. Let's mm. say f- for some reason, whatever happens, Michigan gets going this year. Michigan's 11-0 going into the game, and Cade McNamara has first-round hype uh, at quarterback. If that guy is for happening in that's... Yeah. Well, well, if that guy, if that oh, is Cade happening... Cade McNamara, Cade. Okay, yeah, Cade, Cade. Cade. If that is happening, McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that is happening at Michigan or a place like Michigan, let's say Miami with Derek King, and that school becomes the centerpiece of the college football universe, the whole conversation, like it'll be really interesting to see how much that quarterback or that star player is worth. Because I think I think it could be massive. I, I've always heard from NIL experts like a guy like Michael Penix last year with his kind of goal line reach against Penn State would have been worth a ton of money in the moment after. Imagine what happens if you have an entire season of hype behind that and that star player. I think I think this could change considerably as the season goes along and it'll be one of the really fascinating aspects of the year yeah fascinating stuff could talk about it all day we'll wrap this up his name is chris hummer our producer is lance Lynn. my name is trace scott have a great wednesday we'll talk to you on thursday for the next edition of the college football daily mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and so are we i'm tori deal and i'm anisa ferreira the wait is over guys all stars four is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.